Who told you? Who loved you enough to tell you about the greatest rescue story ever? Maybe it was your mom or maybe a dad. Maybe it was a grandma. Maybe it was a campus minister or a youth pastor. Maybe it was a teacher or a neighbor. Maybe it was a coach. Somebody loved you enough that they chose to tell you. Somebody loved you enough that they chose to take a risk, the possibility that you might be upset with them, but they chose to take that risk because they loved you. And so they chose to tell you about the message of God's love for you. For me, that person was probably Mrs. Jackson. She was the first person to tell me. She was the first person to plant a seed in my heart. Her sons were my best friends. She had six kids along with Mr. Jackson, wonderful family, and her last three kids were triplets. Yeah, she did that. <laughs> she was all that woman. <laughs> last three kids, she thought she was having a fourth, and all of a sudden she had six. And those triplets were my best friends. And most of the time we would just play hoops together or go get Slurpees and loiter in front of 7-Eleven together. But then all of a sudden when I was about 17, 18 years old, I started to ask the big questions of life that most of us ask from one time or another. Where are we from and where are we going when we die? What is meaning and morality in life? How do I deal with my junk? Because I knew I had a whole lot of junk that I couldn't deal with on my own. I started asking those kinds of questions, and in answer to, to those kinds of questions, I started reading a bunch of Buddhist and Hindu books. I was raised in a little bit different context than this one, and had a lot of that around me, in fact, and that's what I was reading. And my friends who I'd always play hoops with, they got all religious on me. All of a sudden, they said, what, what, what you doing reading those things? You got to read the Bible. And I said, Okay. Let's see if I can find a Bible. And I found a Bible, and so I started reading the Bible on page one. That's where you start reading a book, right? And so I, I read Genesis, and I really liked that, and Exodus. That was kind of cool, kind of scary. And they got to Leviticus, and I said, whoa, I have no idea, and I put that Bible down. <laughs> you know, you got to tell someone where to start reading the Bible. And they told me later on, you got to start with Matthew, Adrian. Okay, well, why don't you tell me? So then I read Matthew, and I was amazed by Jesus. I was amazed by Jesus as I read Matthew. Uh, they got religious on me, and they, so they started inviting me to come down to their church, and I went with them to church on a handful of different occasions, and their church was really fun. It was a lot of energy, and, uh, but, but the services were like three hours. So don't be complaining about the length of my sermons. I'm just telling you, don't. Okay, the services were like three hours. Yeah, and um, uh, Ron Eckloff was joking about the length of my sermons last week and the clock that I don't have in my office though, that just says whatever. He, okay, you can't, don't, you, you can't mess with the length of my sermons. They're nothing compared to this. So anyway, three hours in those services and it was, you know, it was really good stuff, good, good experiences though that I had with them. But I tell you what, the thing that really planted the very first seed in my life was being in the Jackson home. And being in their home, being invited into their prayer circles. 
as these six kids and their parents would gather around and they'd hold hands and they'd invite people that came into their home into the prayer circle. And I'll never forget Mrs. Jackson looking at me with these beautiful eyes, looking just like that with that great smile and just saying to me, Adrian, do you know that God loves you? Adrian, do you know that you matter to God? And saying to me, do you know that there's a God in heaven that will listen to your prayers if you just learn to talk to him? And saying there's a God who would actually help you deal with your junk that you're having such difficulty dealing with now. I'm so thankful for Miss Jackson. Who was it for you? I will forever honor Miss Jackson because she was the one who took a risk on me. My guess is though there's someone like you who likewise took a risk to tell you. And we're so thankful for those people today. Open your Bibles with me. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. If you're not sure how to get there, we have a table of contents, but it's over in the New Testament. It's toward the back of the Bible. These are uh, the letters of the Apostle Paul. So it goes Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you get to Thessalonians, it's a little bit too far. But this is a great, great passage to dig into. Even if you can't do it right now, I encourage you to dig into this passage to mark it up later on today. This is the Apostle Paul, who's one of the most influential and brilliant men in all of history. And he's writing to this church that he planted in Colossae. Colossae is a city in modern-day Turkey, so it's far western Asia. That's where he's ministering. He started a number of churches there. And as he closes down his letter to the Colossians here, in Colossians chapter 4, we're just going to look at five verses, uh, verses 2 through 6 this morning, and there's just great, great instructions for us today about a love worth sharing. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone who asks. Now, the Apostle Paul understands that proclamation of a message, proclamation of the rescue message, without prayer is presumption. Let me say that again proclamation without prayer is presumption. You end up presuming on someone's life, presuming on someone's will, when you want to proclaim the message of the gospel of Christ outside of an atmosphere and an attitude of prayer. So Paul begins this instruction by, by saying, devote yourself to prayer, pray also for us, pray that we may present this gospel message clearly as we should. 
Now, Paul knew how to present the gospel message clearly, though there's no doubt about that. He was brilliant and he was ravished by by the love of God. But I think he says, pray for me that we would present the gospel message clearly because something happens in the human soul when you get an opportunity to present the gospel, and it's this. You tend to get kind of emotional, don't you? And as you get a little bit emotional, you might lose your clarity, And so first thing is we have to know the message, but but then second thing after that, we must ask God that we would have the ability to present it with grace and with clarity. He's in a Roman jail cell. He's in chains. He's asking for opportunities that God might open up the door of people's hearts so that he could present the gospel message to, to them. Now, he, he prays specifically for that because if you try to pry open a door, you try to push open a door to someone's heart, you just both get headaches, right? Like there's nothing good that comes out of that. So you don't push on anyone, you ask God. And in the generosity and the kindness of God, he's able to open up a door, and sometimes he does, and then it's out of that moment that we say, God, would you please help me to present it clearly and graciously as I should? And I know that's much easier said than done. I know that. Uh, This is one of those things that Jesus commands for us, and it's one of the seven rhythms that we've been talking about in our rooted experience had a gentleman who's a longtime Christian come to me between services today, and he just said, I just got to admit to you, Adrian, this is the hardest of the seven rhythms. And, and I, I get it. Like, a lot of people feel that way. That's totally understandable. And there's, again, no shame well whatsoever with that. Whatever is the hardest of the seven rhythms, though, that we're talking about in the rooted experience, it's okay to acknowledge, though, that it's very, very difficult for us. I appreciate the rooted workbook on page 180 says this, some things about being a Christian seem to get easier and more natural the longer we know Jesus. Reading the Bible, going to church, praying out loud, those all get easier and more natural. However, one area that usually doesn't get easier and may even become harder is sharing our faith. For many of us, no matter how long we have known Jesus, the thought of telling people about him sends a shiver down our spines. Mm. Why is that? I'd like to suggest three reasons. Probably the three top reasons, in my opinion, are these. Number one, a fear of rejection. Number two, we're too busy. And number three, in many cases, we lose relationships with those outside of the church. And what's the answer to each of those? I would say it's just what, what Paul talks about here. It's, it's prayer. Verse 2 says, devote yourself to prayer. And then it says, being watchful. What, what does that mean? It means you're asking God... And then as you're asking God, you're watchful to how God might be answering that prayer by putting people in your life. That's exactly what he's saying here. Each of those three objections are answered by prayer. So if we fear rejection, think about it. The reason we fear rejection is because people's opinions have gotten too large in our minds. Okay, so we need to pray that God would be larger and people would be smaller to us. Uh, Number two, if we're too busy... 
Why are we too busy? Well, it's possible our priorities are not the same as God's priorities. That would be an issue for prayer. If we don't have time for people outside of the church, then that also would be an issue for prayer that we would say, God, would you give me opportunity to be interrupted by people outside the church and even to develop relationship, loving relationship well with folks outside the church that I might be one of your ambassadors to this broken world. Each of those are opportunities for prayer. Now, I admit that this is difficult, and frankly, it's more difficult for me than it is for you because in my profession, I can be in a church ghetto really quickly. I can be surrounded by Christians all the time. And I really like you people. You guys are awesome. I mean, it's nice just to be with you people. It's not as nice. Sometimes it's harder. But I gotta fight against that, right? Because God does not call me to churchianity. God calls me to Christianity. Come on, somebody. God does not call us to churchianity. God calls us to Christianity. And so that is a calling to be a part of his kingdom work all around the world. His kingdom work in our little areas of influence in our neighborhoods. And so for me, I ask God, would you please meet needs in people's lives, would you present opportunities for for me to share your love with the kids that I coach in basketball, with families of those kids that I coach in basketball, well, with my son's team? Maybe opportunities will be presented, maybe they won't, but even if they're not, I get an opportunity to love them. I get an opportunity to love those families. And my wife and I go to Crossroads Rescue Mission every single Wednesday. We lead a Bible study and prayer for people who sometimes are Christians, but usually are not. Just meet them right where they are. And with our neighbors, likewise, just God, any opportunity you would give as I seek to simply love my neighbors right where they are and to serve my neighbors where they are and also to let them serve me right where I am because that's how relationships develop. It's gotta be reciprocal, it can't be one way. And amazingly, as you're praying for that and making yourself available, God provides the opportunities and relationships develop and then it gets fun. Now, like this, this really isn't rocket science, but it is difficult. And then it begins with prayer. Now, you might ask the question, especially in our culture today, why should I share? Why should I be involved with this at all? And I would just add that like another cultural reason that it's very difficult to share in our culture today is we've kind of become a nation of libertarians. Have you noticed that? We've kind of become a nation, and it's, it's really slid into the church. The church has oftentimes become very, very libertarian as well, that it's like this consumeristic mentality of live and let live. I'll do me. You do you. Right? Like that, that just kind of has, has drifted into the church, and as long as we have that mindset, it becomes very difficult to invest in someone's life for the gospel of Christ when they might have a different worldview. It actually prevents us from joining God on his great worldwide transformation adventure. But friends, what if the gospel message is true? Like seriously, what if it's true? What if it's actually true that Jesus said he came into the world to die for every person that we meet, that every person that we meet is already made in the image and likeness of God, that he loves each and every one so much, 
and he died for them, and in spite of the fact that each one has rebelled against him, he died for them and he rose again, and in time and space, in history, the best explanation of what happened on Easter Sunday was he rose from the grave. He actually rose far from the grave, and so it's true. And then he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What if that's true? And what if it's true that heaven is bliss? And what if it's true that our neighbors, who are oftentimes racked by the oppressive weight of guilt, can be released from that? And what if family members can be reconciled to each other? And we can live without envy and without shame and with contentment and with joy. And what if it's true that those who are presently separated from God will one day have their decisions ratified? And if those choose to stay separated from God and not receive the grace of God offered to them, one day those decisions will be ratified and they will then be separated far from God. What, like, what if that is true? If that's true, would we then say, wow, I'll move past that libertarian bent and I'll begin to pray with God for opportunities to fight against this pattern of busyness this pattern of apathy, this fear of rejection, whatever it might be. Like, what if it's true, as Hebrews 9 says, that it's destined to man to die once and then face the judgment? And that reincarnation is not true then. But we die once and then we meet our God. Now, God is not willing that any would perish. He doesn't desire that any would perish. He desires all to come to repentance, every single one. And he invites us on the journey of making heaven more crowded. That's a pretty good reason to share, well, wouldn't you say? That's a pretty good reason to share. Now, why else would we share? It's not just about eternity. It's also about right now. Because the simple fact is, every single person, though, that you meet, those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ, there's a similarity between all of us. We all desire to live meaningful lives. We all desire to have a life of purpose. We all desire to know that our past can be forgiven. In the present, we can have contentment. In the future, the other can be hope. We all desire to live a better life where we become better people. We all desire to have good families. Each and every person desires to live a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. But we can't on our own. And so the gospel speaks to each of those needs that we share with almost everyone, maybe everyone that we meet on a daily basis. And as the gospel touches lives, we don't get bitter, we get better. We become more and more like Christ. And friends, this is the pearl of great price. This is the pearl of great price, which for some of us has kind of lost its luster. So what I'm going to challenge you here to, to do here today is to shine it up a little bit. To review God's story and to review our story and shine up that pearl of great price a little bit more. You ever noticed when you talk to a woman who's nearly, newly engaged and she might have an engagement ring on, like is she kind of shy to show you that new engagement ring? 
she kind of coy, she hides it underneath her arm. No. I, I saw a girl this, this week in town, someone I've known, she's newly engaged, and she was so happy to show that off to me. <laughs> she was not coy about it at all. Okay, she was happy to share it. That's the way Jesus describes life in the kingdom of God. That's the way Jesus describes the beauty of the gospel. That all of us have fallen from God's grace. God created us in love, but all of us fell from his grace. He wasn't willing to be without us, so he sent his son for us. He freely offers his forgiveness as he dies for us and he rises again. He redeems us, and now he wants to restore those around us. And he invites us to to be a part of that. And that is the pearl of great price that we get to share and never be ashamed of. Like, that's way more exciting than a new iPhone 15. That's way more exciting than a brand new engagement ring. It's way more exciting than Huskers volleyball, which is saying something, because they're pretty exciting. But like the pearl of great price, man, we should brag on that as often as we possibly can. We share because we want to make heaven more crowded. We share because this is the best news for people today as well as for eternity. And we share because we want to obey God. We want to obey Jesus who invites us into this amazing journey of making a difference in people's lives. Now, how would we do that? How would we share? Look again here at Colossians. Chapter 4, verse 5 says this. Here's how we would share. Be wise. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So if I was marking up my Bible, I would circle be wise, and then I would circle toward outsiders. How do you see outsiders? Do you expect outsiders to act like Christians? They won't. I'm so grateful Mrs. Jackson didn't expect me to be all cleaned up. She met me right in the middle of my sinfulness. Do you think of outsiders as crazy liberals? If you do that, you're wrong. If you do that, you've committed the sin of judgmentalism, and you won't reach them. Do you think of outsiders as backward conservatives? If you do that, you're wrong. You've committed the sin of judgmentalism and you will not reach them. Be wise in the way you act and think of outsiders. The way you want to think of those outside the faith is that is someone for whom Jesus Christ died. That is someone that is so loved by God that while they might currently be very distant from God, They matter so much to him that he spilled the blood of his son for that person. That's how you look at outsiders. Otherwise, you won't be used by God in this way. You just won't. Because it's very difficult to love people when you're simultaneously judging people, right? Come on. (laughs) It just is. 
Okay, be wise in the way you look at outsiders. And then it goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. Every interaction is an opportunity to bring blessing into someone's life. I tell my boys so often, they just roll their eyes at me when I say this, but it's a little bit of effort that can make a great bit of difference in someone's life. It's not the huge things, it's the small things that we choose to do on a day in and day out basis with every person that comes across our path. This is someone for whom Christ died and a little bit of effort can make a great bit of difference in someone's life. Then it goes on to say in verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone who asks. Now grace, of course, is the most distinctive word in Christianity. Grace means treating people better than they deserve. That's what God does for us. He comes to us, he meets us on our need, and he treats us far better than we ever deserve. When we are far from Christ, he comes to us in his grace, and he loves us. It's treating people better than they deserve, so also we would treat other people better than they deserve. Okay? Then seasoned with salt in this context is tasty. Okay? Salt is useful for many things, but in this context, when he's saying in all of your conversations, may they be full of grace and seasoned with salt, he's saying may your conversations be tasty. May you leave an aroma well with people that they would say, wow, there's just something about him. He's so consistently kind. He's so consistently gracious. He disagrees with me, but he disagrees in an agreeable manner. He is humble in the way he acts toward everyone. There's something very different about this person. Like this person is motivated by, by the fact that Romans 2, 4 says about God, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so also for us, it's our kindness that would guide people closer to, to the love of Christ. Okay? Make the most of every opportunity And our conversations are full of grace, seasoned with salt, such that people would just say, wow, there's something so attractive about him. I have really a great neighborhood, and there's a gentleman on another part of the neighborhood that I've gotten to know uh, pretty well. I, I don't think he really has any interest in Christianity at all, but he's chosen recently to kind of open up to me a little bit, even though he knows that I'm a pastor. God bless him. Okay, and uh, we've had a number of good conversations, and recently as I was visiting with him, uh, he knows that there's a woman who works on our staff at our church, and uh, for the sake of the story, we'll just call that woman Cindy, okay? And he knows Cindy, and uh, I was visiting back and forth with him, and he just said to me recently, isn't that Cindy amazing? And I said, yeah, she is. I work with her. She is amazing. And he said, I tell you, every single time I'm around her, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm around her regularly, I just feel better. She just kind of lifts all boats around her. She just cares about people around her, whoever it might be. I feel better by being around Cindy. What's that? That's making the most of every opportunity. That's gracious conversation seasoned with salt. Okay, it's, it's goodwill, it's love, it's good deeds that paves the pathway to good news. Okay, because she was so loving in her good deeds toward this person, and he knows that I'm a pastor in the church, he's a little bit more open to me, though, than he used to be. Now, it just popped the door open a little bit. We'll see what God does with that. But thank you, God, for opening that door a little bit. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful example, though, that all of us can do all the time. I love the way St. Francis of Assisi famously put it, and this woman is a great example of this. He said, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. Isn't that good? Preach the gospel at all times, in all that we do, in, in every way that we love people, at all times. And occasionally words will be necessary. Oftentimes words are necessary, but preach the gospel at all times well, whether you're speaking or not. That's what Cindy did. When God opens the door, we get the opportunity to present that pearl of great price. So how do you do it? I'm just going to share with you a couple ways that I do it really, really quickly because we don't have that much time. But I would say one of the, another one of the reasons, though, that we oftentimes uh, don't do this is because we don't have something in mind that would say, this is how I would do it. So you want to develop some kind of method that you would use And then hopefully those expand well with time as you get to know people in the midst of their needs, whatever they might be. And so the first thing, though, that you do is you got to know God's story. you got to be able to share God's story. So up on the screen is just a simple way to to know God's story. It's basically this, fall from Genesis to, to Revelation. There's one consistent story thought through the Bible. It begins with God's loving creation, then our fall, then redemption, and ultimately restoration. Not just that we would be redeemed by the blood of Christ, but also we would be restored to become more and more like Christ. And the goal of God's restoration is creation healed. Like every person you meet would be healed. And creation itself and our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with other people, all of that would be healed because of the power of living in the kingdom of God and the power of the gospel immersing itself into our lives. We become a reservoir of the gospel, but not just a reservoir. After we bathe in the gospel, so also we're a canal for the gospel, right? Both of those things. Now, From that story, oftentimes what I'll do is just use this basic pathway of a few verses. It's oftentimes called the Roman road. And what I usually do is invite people to read directly out of the Bible, and then I'll ask them some questions as they're reading these passages. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who's all? All. All. Okay, me, two hands. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What I earn from my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your mouth that you confess. It's with your heart that you believe and you're justified. Okay, what do you do with that? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Let's go there. It's by grace you've been saved, through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For you are God's handiwork. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in them. God doesn't want you just to be a stopper. He wants to work through you and do great things through you for the rest of your life. Would you like this? And if they say no, that's okay. That's not on me. They say no. All right, if you ever change your mind, you want to talk about it, I'm always available to you. I'll never push, but I'm always available to you. If you'd like to talk about it further, yes, let's talk about it further. But you've got to know God's story. That's where it starts. Then second, far from there, you've got to know your story. You've got to know your story. And some of us, again, I'm just going to jam on this analogy again, some of us have lost the luster of the diamond ring. Because we've forgotten how much God has done in our lives. 
And friends, whether you came to Christ as a, as a child, like my kids did, and you're raised in a Christian home, that's wonderful. That's the normative way that people come to Christ. Or you came to Christ as an adult, like I did. Either way, you have a great story of what God has done in your life. And you take a moment to write those things down. And you reflect upon the kindness of God to you over the course of many years. And as you write those things down, you will well up to praise and thanksgiving. You will give thanks to God for all he's done in your life. And then to be able to share that with others is very, very powerful. doesn't mean you have it all together. In fact, it's more powerful when you don't have it all together. It's more powerful when you can admit that you don't have it all together because people are attracted to fellow travelers rather than experts. Okay? Now, if you've never done that, um, out of the information table, well, we have a simple outline that you can go through it's a very, very simple testimony outline that you can kind of just write it out for yourself. I encourage you to take the time to do that. And as you do that, you will feel this shine being restored, this luster being restored to this beautiful diamond ring that God has given to you. I admit, well, when I first became a Christian, I didn't really share my story that much. I just wanted to talk about God's story. I didn't think my story well, was all that relevant. But I realized people really need examples, don't they? People really, really need examples. And so I'm thankful. Like Revelation 12 puts it this way. They overcame. People overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there's something powerful well, when someone knows both what is the blood of the Lamb, what did Jesus do for me, and what is my testimony of the difference though, that it's made in my life. What's God's story and then what's my story? Now finally, as we do those things, we know God's story well, we know our story, we ask for opportunities to, to share it. The last thing though, that we do is we love and we listen for the long haul. You love and you listen for the long haul. Admittedly, we can't do this with a ton of people, can we? But we can all do it with at least one. We could always be praying for one person that doesn't know Christ that we would love to know Christ. And then we say, I'm going to love them and I'm going to listen to them for the long haul. I'm never going to treat them like a project. Love is good enough reason all by itself. This is not talking in any way about drive-by evangelism. I'm not talking any way about picking up a megaphone outside the football game. I'm talking about loving people. Listening well to their stories. Being okay with the fact that they cuss a lot. Being okay with the fact that they smoke and they still gossip. And they have lots of different views than me on all different kinds of stuff. Being okay with them right where they are. Because God is okay with you right where you are. And he won't leave you right where you are. He always wants to grow you from where you are. But we've got to be okay with people right where they are. That's how we love outsiders. That's how we love each other, I might add. I'm so thankful that Mrs. Jackson wasn't so busy that she would plant a seed in my heart. That she would plant those seeds in my mind. Not just for me, but for many, many others. 
And she probably never knew the impact that it would make on my life. But her small, consistent acts of faithfulness, they made the difference. Who did that for you? And who would you like to do that for? Such is the adventure. Such is the adventure our God invites us into. Let's give him thanks. Oh, I thank you, Father. Thank you that you've put people around us who have loved us so much that they shared with us the story of your great rescue plan. And as we think about those people, even for a moment right now, we, we just praise you that you chose to put people in our lives. And we thank, thank you, Lord, for the beauty of the gospel message that says, while each of us have fallen from your grace, you weren't done with us, you wouldn't quit on us, you loved us, and you, you sent someone into our world to tell us. And you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. There might be people in this room here today that, that don't know that message yet themselves. Or maybe they've just heard it for the first time. And I want you to know that that message is for you today. This is God's love for you today. He desires meaning for you. He desires purpose. He desires forgiveness and freedom for you today. For others of us in this room, I know that some are hearing this message and the main thing you feel in your heart right now is resistance. You feel this blockage and you say, I, I don't like what he's talking about. And I really don't want anything to do with what he's talking about. And that's okay. But perhaps now would be the time to say to God, would you open my heart would you open my mind to being a part of your mission in this world of sharing with others a love that is meant to be shared father some of us have a, a blockage in our heart as it relates to certain kinds of people and we ask that you would remove that Would you grant us the grace to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity, that even this week all of our conversations would be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that we could give an answer to anyone who's looking for the hope that lies within us. We'll be careful to give you all praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.